With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Once again stormed a Donald Trump event, this time in California, proving why Donald Trump must win the presidency in November. They were punching people. They were yelling profanities. They were throwing objects, including eggs. And, of course, burning the one flag that allows these punks and animals to act as they do. It is time these protesters met an armed resistance, as this has gone way beyond political discontent and discourse. Where is a drone when you need it? This has been a Josh Bernstein News Minute. I'm Josh Bernstein, and you're up to date. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Raw and uncut, Jiggy Jag, you know how you do it, you know what I'm saying? Keeping it all the way live. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a no idea. <laughs> I love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now, 267-22-Jiggy. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy, play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. I remember when they recorded that uh, Mike Massey thing. <laughs> it is a world baby. Jiggy Jaguar Radio Program, coast to coast, to boat to boat on the tune in. On the iTunes, on the Radio Loyalty, and on that Stitcher. Get a hold of us over there on Facebook. Yes, the Facebook. That's the best place to go. Uh, having a lot of fun over there on the Facebook with our, with our buddy Kenny Bollinger, that piece of garbage. And, uh, <laughs> we, uh, I, 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 I don't know. It's just, it, it, it's a hell of a day. It is a world famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Coast to coast to Boda to Boda on the tune in, on the iTunes, on the radio loyalty. And of course, on Stitcher. Get a hold of us over on our website, JiggyJaguar.com. That is the best spot for all of your Jigman Freud needs. And uh, we are making it happen today on Red Nation Radio, kids. That's a pretty interesting little place. We're getting together our election night on the net coverage. I spoke with uh, some of our guys a couple days ago. Uh, Rich Hall is going to be our uh, is going to be our point man on this. He is, of course, formerly from Behind the Mic Show, and he will be our point man on this. He will uh, make sure that we get on the air and. Things happen the way they do, and it, it it'll be a hell of a, it'll be a hell of a show. It'll be what they're talking about when they're talking about it. 
I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means to play us out. We had a uh, interesting conversation a couple days ago uh, on this program. Well, not on this program, on uh, our Sunday radio program with the uh, folks from the adult film industry. And they were discussing this this Prop 60 that is uh, going on out there. I've nicknamed it the TPP for uh, the porn world. Uh, essentially, what this what this law means is that it's 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 pitched as a condom rule. Yeah, it's a condom rule. Well, supposedly, what 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 it means is that if uh, I'm watching a pornographic movie, speaking of pornographic movies, IQ Al Rizzoli, how are you, sir? I'm fine. Are we on today? Yes, we are on. We will talk to you here in a couple hours. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where's everybody? Well, uh, uh, Don and Dan will join us here uh, here in a couple hours. I've got you now. I was uh, <laughs> I, I always love hearing from you. You 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 are such a bright spot in my day because you you are always so uh, pumped up and ready to go. So. <laughs> Am I too early? Yes, you're you're a couple hours early, my friend. Good gift. I'll call you in two hours. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. I appreciate Take it. Take care. Take Definitely. Care. Have Bye. a good day. Thank you. Al Rizzoli, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, big star. Star stage and screen, as they say. Going to join us uh, here uh, for our show um, here in a couple hours. Uh, a couple hours time, a couple days time, whatever you want to refer to it as. He'll be with us uh, here on our broadcast. Now, um, I was talking about this condom rule, this Prop 60. Essentially, this is the TPP for the porn industry. Uh, they are basically going to legalize everybody to do frivolous lawsuits. Uh, if you watch a pornographic movie in the state of California and you don't see a condom... You could sue everybody involved. You could sue the producers. You could sue the camera people. You could sue the uh, the stars of the movie. You could sue everybody. But the dangerous part of it, and this 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 is what I'm so terribly against, is they're going to reveal the names, the addresses, the phone numbers of the people in the movie. Now, I don't care if some camera guy gets his name revealed. Who cares? But there are a lot of hot chicks in the porn world, and there are a lot of pervy guys that watch porn. And you're essentially legalizing stalking here. So, you know, normally I, I shouldn't be, you know, all happy, but... It's a crazy mess. We're going to try to get a hold of Doug Giles. Uh, he is going to join us here in just a few moments. Talk about his book. He's got a new book out. Uh, going to see if we can get him on the telephone. We're just going to get him straight out. I'm not even going to... Not even going to... Uh, we're going to see if we can... 
Get Mr. Doug Giles in here. Mr. Doug Giles, the big star. star. Doug Giles. There he is. Doug, how are you? It's Jiggy. How are you, sir? Good, buddy. We're, uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, all sorts of different things, and I wanted to get you on here, talk about your book. Uh, this thing is just flying off the shelves. People love the heck out of this. We've been getting emails from people about wanting to get you on the show to talk about the book. Let's jump in there. Tell me about the, tell me about the book and why you decided to write it. Well, I got tired, big dog, of seeing all the metrosexual hipster dandies. Uh, all the trendies. Yeah, a little too ubiquitous for my taste. Uh, me being a, uh, born, born in Texas, I came out of my mother's womb sideways with boots on in a 30-30. Just, <laughs> just don't get the skinny jean, deep v-neck, uh, hair bun wearing hipster who wears more bangles than a new bangy warrior. I don't get it. Yeah. I think uh, the softening of the culture is, uh, to me it's comical, but it's also it's also deadly. Political correctness uh, does not serve our nation well, and so while everybody's trying to soften the male collective, I guarantee that Islam and big government goons are having a field day laughing their backsides off. We've got Doug Giles with us on the telephone, founder and editor of ClashDaily.com, author of the wild new book, Pussification, the Effeminization of the American Male. And uh, this this book is has got a ton of information. Um, one of the chapters that jumped out at me is, Dear Christian, you might be a pussy, but Jesus ain't. Tell me a little bit about this. Yeah, uh, I know it's not cool to be a Christian anymore, um, that uh, the, the secularists look down on it, but I am one. But one of the things that I, I absolutely refuse to morph into is the kind of Christian that um, that Hillary and Obama and Islam loves. And that's the one, uh, brother, that, that curls up in the fetal position and yep. wets their big Christian diaper uh, anytime they're they're opposed or go through anything dark or heavy in life. The Christ that I read in the Bible, when you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just a cursory glance, is I, I gather from that man, I don't know what everybody else does, but he's an angry 30-year-old who so thoroughly ticked off the politicos and the priests of his day that I believe, if I read the, the uh, manuscript right, they ended up killing him over it. It is a uh, it is a heck of a book. Doug Giles, the man behind ClashDaily.com, is back. He's got a fabulous, fabulous new book, and uh, this th- this book has got a ton of information. Uh, what what have you been getting as far as reviews on the book so far? Because I know our listeners love the heck out of it. Well, uh, before it actually released, uh, Amazon got a little ahead of themselves and they ran with it. And I, I figured, heck, what the heck, we'll put it out on Facebook. I got about 735,000 followers on Facebook. And two yeah. days, man, it shot to number one in uh, gender studies. Uh, <laughs> we purposely put it into the LGBTQ category just to jack with uh, the liberals and spice up their worldview a little bit. So it hit number one in paperback. Then, then the Kindle uh, released about a week later, shot to number two in transgender studies. So in all their sassy categories where they try to emasculate men uh, ardently, here my book is at number one, at number two in Kindle. Uh, killing the competition, to which I think is great. Uh, on all my stuff, Jiggy, uh, it's it's divided right down the middle. If you love uh, America, if you love God, if you like uh, traditional masculinity and uh, classic men, then you're going to dig my book. 
if uh, if you buy into this Obama pussification type stuff that Hollywood public schools, yep. some sassy branches of evangelicalism are, gonna, are selling us, then OMG, man, you're going to hate my book. Now, your your books are uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, what what uh what was the process from the last book to this book, as far as uh, wanting to put something out there? Yeah, um, I. I I just got tired, man. I'm 53 years old. I'm sitting here in Texas. I'm sitting there looking at all the men actually contemplating voting for the Hilda Beast. And I'm seeing the coarsening and the softening of the, of the culture uh, going down simultaneously. It's like, man, before I take the big dirt nap, the audio snooze, the eternal siesta, I've got to stick my finger in the big eye of this effeminate mess. So I got, uh, I got a bottle of vodka. I've got I got uh, my safari cigars, and each afternoon around five o'clock, I went to the Salt Lick, which is a beautiful place in the hill country of uh, outside of Austin, Texas. Had a couple of drinks, smoked a couple of sticks, and banged out uh, two hundred and two pages, and it was off to the races. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, uh, uh, what what do you, what do you think uh, folks are uh, are, are going to think of this book? And I know that you you said you've been messing with with the old with the old liberals. Uh, they they apparently are not having fun with the book. Well, you know, uh, seriously, as much as I have fun uh, uh, playing hacky sack with uh, the effeminate males that populate the planet now, it's a serious book where uh, parents can. Uh, use it to raise their son especially by and i bring out uh four things gigantic uh that are bulletproof signs man that that your kid has been effeminized and number one if you've got a if you've got a 20 something year old kid and this kid is not paying for most if not all of his stuff then you've got a pussified male in your house that's amazing that's amazing we've got doug I mean, giles I mean, I, I Jiggy, I don't know how old you are, man, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, so like I said, I'm, I'm in my fifties. Uh, I was, I was working when I was nine. On my yes. Paper route. Had my own business when I was uh, 22. Did 600,000 in sales when I was 23. I don't know how many homes I've bought and sold and vehicles and all this other stuff and been around the world. We never grew up with an entitlement mentality. We never grew up with envy. My dad, middle-class, hard-working uh, East Texas boy, and he used to take us to nice neighborhoods, and he said, if you work your ass off, you can have these kind of homes. Yep. Nothing like, oh, these rich people are, you know, these greedy fat cats, and, and we need their tax money to subsist off of. That was a disgrace. That was a disaster. And like I said, man, if you've got a 20-something kid in your home that he's still begging and borrowing and spending your money, Parent, you have failed. You need to get my book and, and solve that equation real quick. Read it to your little child. He probably doesn't know how to read since he went to public school. And then if he doesn't get it, then roll it up in like a newspaper and smack him in the head with it. Doug Giles with us today. Pussification, the effeminization of the American male. He's with us today here on the telephone talking about that book. I also want to get your thoughts on uh, this, uh, this, this Clinton porn 2016 uh, topic that's been going around. Uh, the, apparently, the 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 newfound spokesperson for the Republic or for the uh, Democratic Party, this uh, former Miss Universe winner. Tell me about this chick. Yeah, Alicia uh, Machado, <laughs> and Hillary dredged her up uh, from what 1996 Miss Universe, 
And uh, she used to be, that's when Trump owned the, the pageant. I'm sure all your listeners are, are pretty hip to it right now. But what I think is funny is that there's no evidence. Anderson Cooper gave her a chance to, uh, to give evidence of him calling her Miss Piggy or Miss Housekeeping. She didn't provide it. She didn't provide it to Megyn Kelly. She bebop and scattered all over the place when wouldn't be an interviewed. And then we did a little research on it. She's got a she's got a, a gross video, bro. I won't even tell you. It's not the reality show video that everybody's talking about, but I mean it's just full on porn uh, that's out there. But wow. you know what? Uh, her past doesn't matter. Just like the Clintons' past doesn't matter. They drudge up false accusations and claims against Donald Trump. But if I was if I was Mr. Trump, and if Hillary brings up uh, Machado again and, and, and trots her out during the next debate, as soon as as soon as Hillary said Machado, I would do two things: I would rattle off all the names of uh, the the women that Bill's had affairs with, who he's molested, and of course Juanita Broderick, who he raped. Uh, I'd bring up Jeffrey Klein and the Lolita Express, the airplane where underage girls were were raped. Uh, yep, yep. Rested on that. And then I would say, if she continued to say Alicia Machado, Jiggy, I would bring up uh, Ambassador Chris Stevens, Officer Sean Smith, Glenn Doherty, and Tyrone Woods. And uh, hopefully that would seal the heel to beast mouth. But you know what? She loves talking about this stuff. She loves talking about Trump's taxes. Anything to take the attention away from that she is, uh, she is the system that is corrupt. She's the epitome of lies and deceit. And she doesn't want to talk about lying to the FBI. She doesn't want to talk about lying to the Senate subcommittee in Benghazi and about her emails, anything to distract from a record, because people just don't like her. She's an angry old hag. Yes. Everybody knows she's lying. And uh, so I bet she wants to talk about Alicia, but I would bring up Benghazi. I'd bring up everything that the, the country knows that she's corrupt on. Well, Doug, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on the broadcast, talking about the book, talking a little bit about uh, the, the election. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you in the next couple of weeks as we head in to the big election. Uh, thanks for being with us today, Doug. Appreciate it. Cheers, bye. Thank you, man. Doug Giles with us today. We are going to take a timeout when we come back. da 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 it's always short and sweet with Doug because he's one of those guys that he gets to the point that he gets out. It's always a good time with Doug. We're going to take a time out. Dr. Donald Hendon, author of The Science of the Deals, coming up. Got more. On the other side. This is Chris Markowski, your watchdog on Wall Street, and this is your watchdog on Wall Street Money Minute. Wow. And I got a comment on uh, Barack Obama's night at the convention. Timing is a bit off, but um, have you ever heard such a load of bull excrement in your entire life? I, I got to be blunt here, people. I mean, I, I do the numbers here. We're 16th in the world in economic competitiveness, $20 trillion in debt. Uh, what, 46 million Americans on food stamps. Current generation that is graduating from college is making 20% less than a generation prior. And this guy gets up on stage and tells everybody that America is flipping awesome. Do us all a favor and shut up, okay? I'm sorry, shut up. You're full of it. Things are not great. 
We have to deal with problems, and you have to admit to them. WatchdogandWallStreet.com. This is the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show. It is the big broadcast. Coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app. Available in the App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. You can stream the show live, 24-7 replay, exclusive news and programming information, all available on our app. And JiggyJaguar.com. If you came in late or just joined us, our Doug Giles interview will be posted at our website, JiggyJaguar.com. If you want to go over there and pick up Doug's book uh, or re-listen to the interview, if you missed a pieces of it or want to hear it again, check out JiggyJaguar.com. Our guest right now, Dr. Don Hendon, author of The Science of the Deal, and he's with us today here on our broadcast. He has uh, got many books, his latest being The Science of the Deal. It's how to negotiate intelligently and successfully. He's with us today here on our program. And um, I'll tell you, you are the man when it comes to uh, comes to this whole thing. This is your 12th book. It came out two weeks ago. It's on Amazon and has 500 negotiating tactics. Trump's The Art of the Deal only has 11. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about the book, my friend. Well, the book is... Uh about how to negotiate and win, uh, I, I have uh, 500 uh, negotiating tactics. Some of them are uh, assertive, some of them are uh, uh, defensive, some of them are cooperative, some of them are uh, well, m- m- many different kinds, even dirty tricks. Uh, yeah. Uh, Donald Trump seems to use uh, uh, four of the tactics in my book over and over and over. And uh, the reason that we came out with the name uh, The Science of the Deal is because we wanted to uh, you know, uh, get, generate some publicity from uh, Trump's art of the deal, mainly because you know, he's running for president right now. Yep. And we figured any time, every time he opens his mouth, uh, people uh, might decide to buy my book. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, you you got you to gotta go any way you can, Dr. Hendon. And... Uh, uh, you have been involved in the uh, negotiation business and some of the different things for a heck of a long time. How did you get started doing this? I started doing it in the uh, 70s after I got my Ph.D. Uh, uh, in marketing and management from the University of Texas at Austin. Yep. I started doing seminars uh, mainly overseas for some reason. Uh, I, w- I was a visiting professor in Australia, and it was easy for me to get seminars in Southeast Asia. Eventually, I... I uh, I, I married uh, uh, two Filipinas because of my uh, closeness to Southeast Asia. Not at the same time, of course. <laughs> and, uh, You're living the dream, doctor. Living the dream. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so I've got a house in, in Manila and uh, one here in Mesquite, Nevada, right near uh, Las Vegas, 80 miles from Vegas. So, uh, so I've been doing it for a long time, and uh, I've written several books, uh, 365 Powerful Ways to Influence... Uh, came out about five years ago. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, The Way of the Warrior in Business, uh, two years ago, and even Guerrilla Dealmaking uh, with uh, Jay Conrad Livingston, the late Jay Conrad Livingston, that came yep. out about t- two years ago. And they all had 365 tactics. I, I give more tactics than that in my seminars, and I usually do about, uh, I guess, about six or eight seminars in the Philippines uh, every year and about maybe... Uh, 
20 or so in the U.S. every year. And, and I'd like to do more. And so I wrote, wrote the book, 500, uh, you know, my 500 tactics, the science of the deal, to try to generate some more uh, seminars and stuff. Anyway, let me tell you about Trump. He uses yes. more of, of my tactics over and over. Uh, uh, first of all, intimidate the other person by money. Okay. He's telling everybody how rich he is. The message he's sending to the other person is, I don't need you, but you need me. You want some of my money. Yeah. And if you give in to me, I might let you have some of it. That's <laughs> awesome. An another way Trump and other big dogs use this is by filing nuisance lawsuits. In the last 30 years, Trump has filed 3,500 lawsuits, according to USA Today. Uh, wow. lawsuits is very time-consuming. Yes. And uh, getting away from Trump for a while, gamblers use this intimidation tactic, intimidation by money, <laughs> uh, every, every time they uh, uh, raise uh, the, the, the um, um, you know, when, when, when they're at the negotiating, at the gambling table, and they, they, they bluff, they raise the pot, okay? Now, the second way uh, Trump uses my tactics is, is, is this. He uses one called, like myself so much that I don't have a need for the other person to like me. Now, I think take, Trump takes this a little too far. He do doesn't only like himself, he loves himself, which is good. <laughs> I think we all should love ourselves. Yes. Uh, the, the third way he uses my tactics is he keeps telling everybody, I'm the greatest. You've got to have a big ego to do this, and Trump definitely has that kind of an ego. It's huge. It works for only a few people, people like Trump. Most of the time, though, when you tell people you're the greatest, it doesn't work. It, it definitely did work for Muhammad Ali. Remember, after he won a boxing match, he always yelled over and over, I'm the greatest. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, the fourth uh, thing he, he does, uh, uh, using my tactics, he does everything he can to get an invulnerable reputation. He does it all the time by over-bragging about themselves and to get other people to over-brag about themselves. People like his employees, his family, and so forth. And why would anybody want to overbrag and become invulnerable? It's very simple because when you do this, the other person is intimidated uh, and he fears you. And when you tell him, I expect you to give in to me, uh, you know, they'll do just that. So those are the four uh, tactics he uses of mine over and over. He doesn't use a very powerful tactic of mine, though. I call it the big ass desk. The desk has to be huge. It should be the first thing you notice when the other guy comes into your office. It should be completely clean with nothing on it at all. Now, if you Google images of Donald Trump's desk, you'll see it. It's in his office in the Trump Tower in New York City. It's cluttered as heck. A person who comes into his office the first time has to think, this guy is very, very disorganized. Um, and his disorganized desk shows that he doesn't really prepare too much far as negotiating uh, sessions. Uh, many of the announcers on Fox News, CNN, and other news networks said, said that Trump wasn't very prepared for his first debate with Hillary Clinton on September 26th. But he's sort of crazy like a fox. He's really using my tactic, the power of not being prepared. And he uses it to delay things uh, to his advantage. We've got a great guest with us today, joins us live here on the telephone, talking a little bit about his latest book, and uh, Dr. Hinden is with us today. Now, um, you, 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 you've told us a little bit about uh, you know, Donald Trump and some of the different things. Now, 
you're a better negotiator than Donald Trump. What makes you believe that, and have you ever negotiated with him or somebody connected with him? Well, I've never negotiated with Trump. I'd like to someday. Actually, there are five kinds of people I really don't want to negotiate with. Celebrities, uh, politicians, liars, incompetents, and older people. Trump's uh, in two of these categories. He's a celebrity <laughs> and a politician. I mean, he's old, too. Well, that too. <laughs> anyway, here's why I don't yes. like to negotiate with these kinds of people. I don't like celebrities because they always expect too much just because of their name. Uh, politicians, I don't trust any politician yeah. uh, on the left or on the right. I think they're just out for themselves. And I don't think they really care about their constituents, just about getting reelected. Uh, earlier this year, I attended a meeting uh, here in Mesquite, Nevada, where I live, 80 miles from Las Vegas, and my congressman was here. Uh, and I asked him, what's your plan for dealing with inflation? So without thinking, he immediately replied, we just voted ourselves a big pay raise. So that's they're out for themselves. <laughs> wow. We've got a great guest with us today. Dr. Hendon joins us here on our broadcast, Coast to Coast to Border to Border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and, of course, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world, KFRK in Denver and Red Nation Radio nationwide. You've seen the titles uh, you've given to your 500 Tactics. I love the names of many of these. Tell me a little bit about these. And uh, You say that the person with the least commitment to the relationship has the most power. What do you mean by that? The, people, the person with the least commitment to the relationship has a lot more power than anybody else. And the reason for that is uh, that, that uh, you uh, are... Uh, making the other person wait on you over and over and over. Um, and and uh, when, 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 when the other person thinks that, that he needs you more than you need him, well, that's basically, uh, that gives you all the power that you need to, to, to let him, make him do what you want him to do. So um, try to uh, uh, think of the people that keep calling you up all the time, over and over, asking you for something. Uh, that They want uh, you a lot more than you need them. That's that 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 is a heck of a deal. We've got a great guest with us today. Joins us live here on the telephone. Doctor Hendon is with us. He's got a great great new book. Now, how about this one? You say you've got to earn the right to learn the other person's needs before you can even begin to negotiate a deal with them. What's that all about? Uh, okay, got to earn the right to earn their needs before they even tell you what, 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 what they want. The, the, the other person's needs are uh, uh, very, very important to them. They contain the secrets to their organization's future. And so some of them you'll never, ever know. Uh, but you keep trying and you keep trying and keep trying. So um, uh, that gives them a lot of power. Uh, uh, it, it, it's very difficult to... Uh, uh, to find out their needs if they don't want to tell you about it. So you spend a lot of your time, uh, uh, you know, beating around the bush, uh, yep. uh, going up dead alleys and so forth, uh, and uh, when, when you could be doing other things instead, uh, you know, staying on the attack. 
we've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live. Dr. Hendon is with us here on our broadcast. He is an author, a motivational speaker, and just an amazing, amazing person. And uh, he's with us today here on the telephone talking about his latest book. Now, you maintain that Americans in general aren't very good negotiators compared to people in most other nations. Why is that? Well, um, I, I, I grew up on the Mexican border, and, and so I, I know uh, how uh, Mexicans negotiate how Americans negotiate, okay? Um, Mexicans are, 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 are much better uh, th than Americans. Uh, and uh, th there's several reasons for, for that. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, w one of the reasons is that uh, 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 Americans uh, uh, don't like to... Um, uh, well, they, they, think, they think that they're... Uh, uh, too too big uh, to, to negotiate, and, and and so they're sort of like uh, Donald Trump in, in many different ways. They they won't let you uh, uh, see what. Uh, uh, oh, how shall I put it? Uh, let me let me let me do it like this. Okay, so I was born and raised in the Mexican border, Laredo, Texas. Okay. Yes. Uh, there are 18 reasons in my book why Americans are not very good negotiators. Yeah, here's a here's a couple of them. All right. Okay. First of all, we have very little or no sense of shame. Uh, both of my Filipino wives told me that uh, I don't seem to care if I lose face very much or not. And most Americans share that trait, especially when we deal with foreigners. Uh, this might be okay for people who don't care about being laughed at behind their backs, but it's tragic when we Americans don't realize how important saving face is uh, to foreigners. This makes us offend foreigners without realizing it. Uh, big dogs are a lot more conscious about saving face than underdogs. Also, uh, another reason is Americans are much too impatient. Both of my Filipino wives have told me the same uh, thing. I'm too impatient. That's a complaint. I'm, I'm like most Americans. We get to the point too quickly. Uh, the Wild West of the 1800s influenced, through, influenced us through the cowboy movies and TV programs we watched when we were kids. There was a long distance between people back then. This led to fewer interactions and a much, much shorter uh, deal-making process. Now, I made a big mistake when I first started out as a hired gun negotiator back in the middle 1970s. Uh, I was uh, dealing with a wealthy Chinese business executive in Taipei, and I kept looking at my watch uh, over and over. Finally, he asked me, Dr. Hennon, why do you look at your watch so much? Well, I replied, time is money. <laughs> That's awesome. He, he told me very gently, no, 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 uh, Dr. Hennon, time is eternity. Time is eternity, not money. So that taught me a big lesson. I never wanted to look at my watch again because I didn't want to give out a subtle signal of impatience. And so today, I always take off my wristwatch and put it in my pocket in front of the other person so he'll know my time is yours. I learned that many Asians uh, think Americans are apprehensive when they look at their watches. So... They take even longer in their deal-making sessions with Americans in order to reassure us and relieve us of our apprehensions. And there are many other uh, reasons. They're in my book, The Science of the Deal, uh, pages 33 to 44. 
We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone talking a little bit about his great new book. And uh, he joins us live here on the telephone, Dr. Hendon. And uh, currently, 34 minutes after the hour, thanks for joining us. Frank Vernuccio coming up here in just a few moments to talk about the latest in the uh, political world and some of the different news that is uh, breaking right now. Now, um, you've got the power of powerlessness what do you mean by this? How can people with very little power or no power at all win at the negotiating table? Well, the power of powerlessness is one of the strongest sources of power that most of us have. It's a paradox. Powerlessness is very, very powerful. Here's how to use it, or how I use it, and how it works for me. You show the other person how much he has to lose by taking too much advantage of you. For example, you might tell him, you know, if you don't help me, I'll go bankrupt and you won't get anything from me. We'll both lose. Or you can say, I just can't afford to pay you what you're asking me uh, to repair my transmission. I just put my transmission back in the car. I'll call somebody and, and pay to tow it away into the junkyard where I'll sell the car for its parts. Okay? There's another way a lot of people use the power of powerlessness. I call it creeping paralysis. And some of my clients have called it calculated incompetence. Here's an example. Your boss pretends he doesn't know how to operate a photocopying machine. Uh, you know, simple. He asks you for help over and over and over. And eventually you get tired to do all the copying for him without being asked. So that's what I mean by the power of powerlessness. It is the fantastic Dr. Hendon with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone, joining us today here on KFRK in Denver, Colorado. And, of course, Red Nation Radio Nationwide. And you can get a hold of us on our app, cheekycheckwire.us. You can also download it from the app stores as well. Now, uh, you say that you should negotiate deals on an empty stomach. I can't seem to figure this one out. Never negotiate right after you ate a big meal. Why is that, Doctor? Never negotiate deals on an empty stomach. Uh, uh, I mean, you should always negotiate deals on an empty stomach. Sorry. Always negotiate deals on an empty stomach. Never after you ate a big meal. This is a psychological thing. Physical hunger leads to psychological hunger. When you're physically hungry, you eat more. When you're psychologically hungry, you'll try harder because you want more. And when you want more, you usually get more. Uh, here's an example. Do you remember a Avis Rent-A-Car? Uh, back in 1962, they came up with their famous slogan, we're only number two, so we try harder. Well, they dropped that slogan in 2012. What happened? They fell to number three right away. They never got back to number two, ever. Okay. <laughs> that that is that is a uh, that is a heck of a uh, situation there. We've got a great guest with us today. He is a master negotiator, and he's with us today here on our broadcast. And um, this one puzzled me as well. You tell your readers to look at the other guy's index finger and a ring finger. What what is that all about? Well, the index finger and the ring finger. You got to see uh, if, if they're even in size or if one is uh, shorter than the other. Uh, and a lot of people aren't going to believe this. Uh, they, don't, they don't believe it when I tell it to them. But after they look uh, into the matter, they know I'm right. A study about 10 years ago in a scholarly journal said that if your index finger is a lot shorter than your ring finger, you're a lot more uh, aggressive. And why are you more aggressive if your index finger is shorter than your ring finger? That's because there was too much testosterone in your mother's womb. And that makes her child's index finger shorter. 
and this extra testosterone makes a person more aggressive throughout life, whether you're a man or a woman. So this is a quick way to tell if the other person is going to be aggressive or not when you negotiate with him. And I'll bet a lot of you are looking at your fingers right now. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Dr. Hendon with us today here in our broadcast. Coast to coast to border to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, and of course the brand new Jiggy Jaguar app. Available in the App Store, JiggyJaguar.us. We're speaking with author, speaker, consultant, international negotiator, and trainer, and coach, Dr. Donald Wayne Hendon. He's with us today here on our telephone talking about his latest book. Now, um, why do you say that the negotiators can learn a lot from children? Well, you know, children are naturally good negotiators. Um, they're natural underdogs. They're natural rebels. They're natural nonconformists. As we get older, we lose a lot of the skills we had when we were kids. And, and what are some of these uh, skills? Well, one skill is being uninhibited. If you're uninhibited, uh, uh, people trust you a little bit more. Uh, second, uh, children are very, very creative. You know, think of all the excuses they come up with for not doing their homework and so forth. Uh, third, they have uh, lots of energy. They're bursting with life. Uh, they go off in many different directions. And they subconsciously have a lot of strategies and tactics in reserve. They seem to know that even if they fail, they can still come back with a new and better idea. And that's because the world hasn't beaten them down yet, so they're still optimistic. Just like the uh, Billy, Dolly, Jeffy, and PJ, they're the kids in the Family Circus comic strip that I read every day. Now compare children to adults. Adults are afraid to take risks. Uh, they feel bound by rules on all sides. An adult is sort of like a crude computer game with limited memory and limited processing uh, capability. When you play a computer game with a child, who usually wins? Uh, a lot of you out there already know the answer. The child does. So I think you should become more like a child. Break the rules, take a lot of risks, and become a winner. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live. Dr. Hendon is with us today. And uh, 500 tactics is a lot. You don't use 500 tactics every time you negotiate, do you? Not every time. <laughs> There's not enough time in a negotiating uh, situation to, to use all of them. Uh, usually uh, I use about 10 to 12. Uh, and uh, which ones do I pick? It depends a lot on what the other person is telling me with their body language. Dr. Hendon with us today. He joins us live. Now, uh, before we let you go, my friend, how do we get a hold of you online, pick up the book, all that fun stuff? Well, uh, you can go to my website, uh, dhendon.com. Uh, that's D-H-E-N-D-O-N.com. Uh, Amazon uh, has my book, uh, The Science of the Deal. Just go to that, uh, and you can uh, uh, pick it up. Uh, it, it, it's been out for about uh, two or three weeks, and it's doing fairly well right now. Um, and uh, those are the main sources uh, for uh, my book. Uh, uh, when, when you go to, to dhendon.com, uh, you, you'll get my email address and so forth, so you can book me for, uh, you know, talks or anything else uh, that you want. I, I've given uh, uh, oh, several thousand uh, talks and seminars in uh, 38 nations, on six continents over the years, uh, and and uh, some some of my uh, t topics include not only negotiation but influence, persuasion, power, body language, creativity, leadership, 
personal development and time management. Um, my PhD is from the University of Texas, as I said, also my bachelor's degree, and my MBA is from the University of California at Berkeley. So a, a few weeks ago, uh, the Longhorns were playing uh, uh, the University of California at Berkeley, and it was hard to decide who to root for. <laughs> I love it when that happens. Yes, no indeed. No matter who wins, I'm happy, and no matter who loses, I'm sad. <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you, Doctor, that is uh, that 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 is not a bad little spot to be in. Now, uh, uh, do you plan on writing uh, another book? You've written twelve. I, I would hope that uh, you've got a thirteenth in you. Number thirteen is is going to be called uh, your two G spots: greed and gullibility. About the scams. <laughs> I, I have good titles. I'm pretty creative. That's fantastic. So, greed and gullibility: your two G spots. It's about scams, and I'm writing it with a retired. A cop who lives uh, uh, close to me in St. George, Utah, 40 miles from Mesquite, Nevada, where I live. Yeah. Uh, so that one's coming out pretty soon. Another one uh, that, that, that I'm writing uh, with another co-author, uh, 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 Terry MacArthur, uh, here in Mesquite, is called How to Win Friends and Influence People in the 21st Century. That's awesome. And the title is the takeoff of Dale Carnegie's uh, famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And we're taking it one step further, talking about uh, how to do it. Uh, you know, 80 years after Carnegie did, you know, the world has changed a lot since then. Yes. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on. And uh, looking forward to talking to you soon. Have yourself a wonderful day, Doug. Appreciate it, my friend. We're going to take a time out. Jason Roberts with the Wealth Investors Minute. What does it mean to be in the middle class? Well, the standard definition typically means that if you're making anywhere from twenty-five to one hundred thousand dollars a year, you're considered to be middle class. The seventy-five thousand dollars spread accounts for the wide cost of living differential between places like New York City and, for example, Fargo. Everybody who tells you lives in New York City or San Francisco will tell you that if all you're making is twenty-five thousand a year, you're pr you're pretty much dead broke. There's just no way to get ahead, support a family, and one day retire on that kind of income. If you're making a hundred thousand, you live in Des Moines. However, you're you're doing all right. Fifty years ago, the average household income for middle class ranged from thirty-one thousand to ninety-five thousand. It rose until about two thousand. In 45 years, though, we've only seen about a 25% increase from the low-end incomes. That's only about a half a percent a year. Inflation is averaging about 3% a year. It's a little bit scary, and now we know why we're all broke. It's time to fix it. This is Jason Roberts with the Wealth Investors Minute. The Jiggy Jaguar radio program is back on the network. Welcome back to our big broadcast, coast-to-coast to border-to-border coast to border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, KFRK in Denver, the RAR Network, and of course, Red Nation Radio. We've got our good friend Frank Vernuccio joining us here in just a few seconds. He has written a piece that we have listed at our website, JiggyJaguar.com. It is about the state of the American worker, and uh, that's where we'll start today, my friend. Tell us a little bit about this, because uh, there is there is a heck of a lot going on. Uh, something that uh, our Wealth Investors Minute just mentioned there is the fact that uh, folks are not 
making the kind of wages that that they should be making and uh folks haven't had raises in years and the american worker uh is just getting the hell beat out of them tell us a little bit about this well anyone who's bothered to go to a supermarket recently has noticed that prices have gone up pretty significantly what they have not noticed though is that their paychecks have gone up very significantly I think in your prior segment you were talking a bit about uh, how the middle class is taking it on the yep. chin. Salaries have gone up barely at all, uh, certainly in relation to inflation. In fact, uh, most American families have lost pace. Now, the problem has to do a lot with a lack of competition for jobs. Obviously, the way you get a better salary is that there are many people, many employers competing for your services. Yes. That's not happened. As we have sent so many jobs overseas, thanks to America's high corporate taxes and excessive regulations, really our jobs have been shipped across the globe, and there's not that much competition, to be quite blunt, for the, uh, the efforts of the American worker. Now, the hope had been all along with globalization that we would see people in China or Vietnam or other parts of the world, Africa and so forth, that their wages would go up. What's happened, though, is that their wages have not gone up very considerably, but the American wages and European wages have basically gone down. So globalization has had kind of the reverse effect. Instead of bringing up everyone to uh, a higher level, it's brought the people who were at a higher level back down. Yes, yes, and uh, that that is that is one thing that uh, I, I, I don't know, I guess... How do you, how do you, how do you fix something like this? Because this this, this well, is a hell of a deal, Frank. There is a, there is a way to fix it, and in fact, it's in, it, it involves leveling the playing field. So, for example, if we have say we have a widget produced in the United States and a widget produced say in China, if the widget in China is produced with no safety regulations, uh, no minimum wage, nothing of those kinds. Um, when it comes into the United States, there should be a tariff so that it competes with the things made in the United States. Yes. Now, of course, the other way to compete would be that you knock off some of those excessive regulations here in the United States. Uh, we know that some... We've got Frank Fernuccio with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone, coast-to-coast to border-to-border on... Tune in, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, Red Nation Radio with us today. And uh, Frank does a bang-up, bang-up uh, radio program for AMFM247.com each and every week and also select syndicated stations across the country and around the world. And uh, uh, Frank, uh, an- another uh, issue that has happened fairly recently, in fact it was last evening or this morning, is uh, these WikiLeaks. Uh, Julian Assange. Set everybody up from Alex Jones to uh, some of the other folks who were who were all excited. Uh, they thought this was going to be the death blow to Hillary, uh, but it was an announcement that wasn't really an announcement. I can't really hear you, uh, Frank. Frank, can you hear me, my friend? Can you still hear me? We're going to do this. We're going to call Frank on Skype. I just, I, I, I'm just getting to the point where I'm just going to start calling these people on Skype. We're just going to do it that way. We're just going to call them on Skype because it's better audio. We're going to see if we can do it and just do it that way. 
Okay, we're going to try this again. Frank, can you hear me, my friend? Frank, can you hear me? He can't hear me, so we're just going to call him. We're just calling on Skype. Jim? There we are. Okay, I decided to Hang on, much you. better. I just decided I'd call you on Skype audio. Uh, <laughs> what, what, the, 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 the last topic that I had here uh, for us, my friend, was this... Uh, uh, situation with uh, Julian Assange. What, what did you make of the fact that his big announcement, it hooked everybody. It hooked Alex Jones. It hooked everybody. And uh, he didn't really make any announcements. Well, I, I think that the announcements will come gradually. I, I think there's a real concern by Julian Assange, and perhaps a rightful concern, that uh, a lot of forces would be uh, taking some pretty violent steps against him if he revealed everything he wanted to reveal. What's come out, and you've seen that in most of the wire services today, is, of course, that uh, Hillary Clinton at one point even talked about whether it would be possible to launch a drone strike against Julian Assange. So that really is certainly, I I think, a legitimate fear on the part of Julian Assange, um, considering also... The fact that so many other Clinton opponents do tend to disappear or die under mysterious circumstances. Um, I I think he has legitimate concerns. I do think he has a lot of things that uh, are going to be fairly explosive, but I think he's going to leak it out uh, gradually over the next couple of weeks rather than in one grand grand target. Yes. Now, uh, Frank, you've got the uh, the radio program coming up on MFM 24-7. Give us some details on what you've got coming up this weekend. Well, we're going to talk about the so how democracy has been declining throughout the world. That is one topic, and we're also going to be talking about how crime, violent crime, increased about ten percent last year, particularly which a homicide went up about ten percent. Uh, that's got to be something that we look at very, very carefully. It was brought up in the last presidential debate. Hillary, of course, got it wrong when she said violent crime wasn't going up. So I think we'll see this become more of an issue in the weeks to come. And, of course, there's a history in presidential elections in the past of crime being a significant issue. Now, uh, Frank, the uh, the, the d- VP debate is uh, going to be happening uh, this week. In fact, I think it's today. Uh, what, what, what do you think is, is going to happen there? Do, do you think that uh, any, anything major will come out of that? I think the most major thing that's going to come out of tonight's vice presidential debate is that a lot of people are going to say, how come these guys are the B team instead of the A team? (laughs) I think you're going to see two very calm, very experienced, very knowledgeable uh, elected officials going at each other with a much greater command of the issues and possibly a much greater record of ethics than uh, certainly than the top part of their tickets have. Would would a situation because I know that they're only going to do uh, I understand only only one VP debate um, would depending on their answers and everything would that facilitate them possibly maybe doing another one or people trying to uh, put the focus on on these two guys? I think the uh, Commission on Presidential Debates has their schedule pretty well set, so I don't think there's really any possibility of getting another one in there. What it might do, of course, is give people more of an impetus to pay attention to what the vice presidential candidates are saying, particularly since the two top folks on the ticket 
seem to be spending a lot more of their time going after each other's personalities than after the issues. And there are some pretty significant issues which no one is paying a lot of attention to yes, at this point. Yes, for whatever reason, uh, people are very interested in other crap other than what the heck is actually going on. Uh, Frank, we'll let you go for today. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Frank. I look forward to our next discussion. Definitely. Have yourself a wonderful day, my friend. Frank Fernuccio with us today, joining us on Skype Audio. And uh, we are going to take a brief time out and come back with more here on our big program. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.